we're going to finish. Uh, we're spending four weeks in these four things that we, we hope shape and form us as a church together at Valley Hope, gospel, community, discipleship, and mission. We're talking about mission this Sunday. Uh, we talked about how the gospel is, is not kind of one of four things. The gospel is the one thing that fuels these other things, community and discipleship and, and mission, because we believe the gospel. We do these other things. Um, so we're going to read something that's probably really familiar to you if you've been around churches at all. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 28. This is the Great Commission. You can read on the screen or just listen, whatever's best for you. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word, for your scriptures. We thank you for these words that were spoken by Jesus and delivered to us through the apostles. God, we pray that uh, you would help us to be attentive and that we would really listen, not just hear, but listen to what it is you have for us as disciples following Jesus. God, I pray that our hearts would be open and responsive to you. And I pray that you would help me by your Holy Spirit to, to speak only the things that go with this properly and appropriately. God, pierce our hearts with your word once more. Amen. Well, before I forget, one of the things that's in here, it tells you to go baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that today. Um, typically, we would do that like right here, but uh, we uh, sometimes go elsewhere so we can we can dunk somebody, fully dunk someone. We, we like baptism of all kinds. Uh, we like when we get to do baptism by immersion as well. So we're going to go up to the King's Rick and Cam King's house, uh, up down uh, nine, right after church here to go baptize PJ Johnson. Hi, PJ. Hi, and Taylor, his sister. Um, so if you're if you're free, you are more than welcome. We we don't do private baptisms in our church, so you are invited uh, to be a part part of that, and we're pumped to do it with you. We're excited. Um, today, we're talking about mission. And what that means for us as a church, how it shapes us at Valley Hope. Uh, this thing that's happening is, is some of the last words of Jesus before he ascends. Uh, he is speaking, interestingly enough, to, to disciples who some of them still doubt, even they're listening to the risen Jesus. Uh, and we know from Luke's writings in the, in the book of Acts that Jesus will tell them, to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can then do this thing that he has commanded them to do, to go all to all the nations. Um, now, I don't know how much you know or are aware, but for, for a significant stretch of time, the Christian church would read these words and they would say, uh, this was Jesus talking to these disciples and they did it. They, they did it. Check. 
the, the apostles, they went to nations, they established churches, they established the church and new places, and, and now we're done. And good job, great commission fulfilled, and we're just sort of waiting for this thing to run out, the clock to run out. And uh, they kind of, the, the movement of what we would call missionaries going out were just ceased because they thought it was unnecessary until they begin to re-understand some things. One is Jesus is saying, go to the nations, plural, and really he's, he's not referring to, to lines on maps, but more rightly is understood as talking about people who speak specific languages. And it turns out, they found out, that the world is much bigger than that they understood, and there's a lot more language groups out there than they understood. And so people began to say, oh, this thing is not over. It's not just for these 11 disciples. It is for all disciples everywhere. So the modern missionary movement starts a few hundred years ago. Prior to that, the, the Catholic Church begins sending out some monastic orders, uh, some liturgical orders to places like Japan and India. Then you see like Baptists are become known for sending missionaries, Methodists and tons of missionaries. The Moravians fuel massive mission movements, movements through prayer. Um, and people now pretty generally understand within Christian churches, this is not just for those disciples. Um, it's for ongoing numbers of disciples. Now, what we do then, we, we sort of chart out these language groups that need to hear the gospel in their own language, see the size of that task, and we sort of measure how that's going. And we kind of do a version of what the church did for a long time, by which I mean a lot of us look at this and say, Jesus means these words. He means that people should go make disciples in all nations. He means lots of disciples. He does not mean all disciples because he doesn't mean this disciple. He means people other than me going to places other than here, which I can help fund, I can give money towards, but fortunately these words are not talking to me, are not aimed at me. And that is just the same thing that the church did for a long time. It's just slightly rearranged and reorganized. And we, we need to get that out of our heads. We are reading the Great Commission, we are understanding the Great Commission at Valley Hope and our church today, understanding that when Jesus speaks to his disciples to go and make more disciples, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded, baptizing them, he means you and he means me, he means now, he means right here, wherever we are, and not just somebody else, someplace else. You and I need to understand that we have to think of ourselves as a missionary people. And we need to understand that when Jesus says, go to the nations, our nation, our people group is one of those that Jesus sends his disciples to. And that feels uncomfortable and almost unbelievable for a lot of people who have grown up in churches like ours in this country. Because it just feels like this is something we need to be worried about for places out there. We kind of all, we, we got it. Like we can check this, the states off of the list. We're good here. But that is not the case. Uh, 
now many people, especially if you're, if you're older, you, you are looking back and you're saying things are not now as they once were. Things feel different. And we need to get back what we lost. And 70 years ago, there was a, there's a moment, there's a, a little window of time in our country where this country was a significantly more churched country. The, the Christianity was kind of the language of most people in this country. Now, before we too idealize what this place was 70 years ago, we have to remember that sort of the, at this peak of being churched, we also had half the country running a racial apartheid and terror state. So we can't exactly say these were the best of times. They had their flaws, pretty apparently. But it was at least more churched, whatever that meant. But that is not coming back. And in some ways we look at that and say, thank God it's not coming back. But all the things that people have some sort of like nostalgia for, and they're like, we need to get that back. We need to, we need to make that how it is again. That is gone. And the sooner that you get over it, the better off you'll be. The longer it takes for you to stop believing that somehow if we could just politics our way or, or community organize our way or, or church program our way into having what we once had, the better and less painful it will be for you. Because that version of whatever is in our heads in this cultural church memory, is, it's gone. And it's, it's not coming back. I was, uh, I was reading uh, one of Tim Keller's last big works, apart from his book on forgiveness, was this little sort of mini book on de the decline and renewal of the American church. And uh, he, was, he said something and he had a footnote and I wanted to know where he got this information from. And it was, he was linking to this study called the, the Great Opportunity, which I had not heard of before. And so I went down that rabbit trail. I went to see what this study was about. And they were... They are a group that is studying the current and projected future landscape of the Christian church in this country. And they're saying by 2050, which is not that long from now, 27 years, um, I am 38. I remember what it was like to be 11. And, and though in my body, that feels like ages ago. In my mind, it feels like 10 minutes ago. I remember 1996. That span of time, 27 years, is, is upon us. And by 2050, at current rates and trends, somewhere between 42 and 34 million youth who grew up in Christian homes will leave the church. 42 to 34 million. The number of people who will say they have no religious affiliation at all will roughly, I think it's double in that time. In this country right now, we plant 4,000 churches a year, roughly, which is great. 3,700 churches a year close. So that is a net 
positive of 300 churches for a nation of around 400 million, moving towards 400 million and beyond by 2050. So at current rates, that's without saying that there might be some acceleration of some of these things, which there is very possible there will be. We are behind the demographic curve and eight ball profoundly. So if you think right now things are so different and you just remember this day when things were different, buckle up because it's going to be even more different real quick. So that by the time my children are adults, my age, the, the odds are that every other person that they will know on the street and probably beyond based on where we live now will not at all have any connection to Christianity. It, even at those rates, roughly half the country will still claim to be Christian. Half the country, which is a lot. It'll be more than any other religious group, for sure. However, amongst the people who claim to be Christian, if you ask just a few questions about what it is they do and what it is they believe, the picture changes dramatically. Because if you ask people now who say that they are Christian, things like, how do you get acceptance before God? How many gods are there? Is Jesus the only way to salvation? Do you go to church more than twice a year? You will be astounded by the number of people who say they are Christian and do not believe or act in ways that are at all demonstrably Christian. These are the people in the good half of the numbers. You and I do not live in whatever a Christian nation is. We do not. And we have to get that in our minds and in our hearts so that we will understand we are missionaries. We are not going to bunker down and get through. We are not going to have anybody else in any other kind of position of power or privilege change those dynamics for us. This is the reality of my generation, of my children's generation, of my grandchildren's generation. We are all missionaries. So if our understanding of the Great Commission was just like, it is really important that somebody goes to whatever, North Macedonia, some country in Africa, whatever, you can draft $50 out of my bank account every month when I don't even think about it, and then boom, I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. That is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it over there, and it's not going to cut it here. Jesus is saying to his disciples, go, baptize, teach in my name. He means you, and he means me. And the sooner that we all understand that, the better. The sooner that we start to go about our daily life thinking, how do Ricky and Jessica Parlier in a predominantly Muslim country go about their daily lives. What are the things that they are thinking about as they're going to the grocery store, as they're going to make friends in their neighborhood, and they are specifically assigned the task of a missionary? 
How are they thinking? How are they acting? That is how I must think and how I must act. Because this Great Commission is for all of Jesus' disciples. All of them. Every one of us at Valley Hope are called to this task. Now, if you're like me by nature, you, you struggle to make a conversation with people you know. Like friends of yours. And the idea that you must make new friends with people who are profoundly different from you in the most crucial and essential and important things about which people have beliefs, you are perhaps terrified. Some of you are people who will just like, you read the book of Acts and you're like, street corner, talk to strangers? I would love it. I can't imagine a more fun thing to do. Talk to a thousand people at a time and have them throw rocks at me. I would love that. Most of us are not like those people. So, so you, most people, are, are afraid. Now, this is where you need to hear that when we at Valley Hill, when we talk about these things, gospel, community, discipleship, and mission, we are understanding the fact that this is a community task. You know, I was um, listening to somebody talking about a culture of evangelism in churches, and he was saying, most people think of this idea of like being fishers of men and they think of themselves sitting on a boat and throwing in a line and reeling in. He said, that's pole fishing. And he said, that, that's not even the way that these people fished. These people got in a boat together, and they threw the net in together, and they pulled the net in together. Why does everybody in our church think that they have to be somebody sitting on a boat by themselves pole fishing alone? We, we actually think all of these things are meant to work together. So all of us chickens, like me, who are afraid of this idea, we can, we can link arms with the, with the people who are not afraid or with people who are, and we as a community together listen to and obey the Great Commission together. And when that happens, you are actually offering to people something that they do not have outside in their ordinary life. People are profoundly isolated and alone. And if you have a strong sense of vibrant community with which you do risky things, important and vulnerable things, you are just by doing that offering something to people that they do not have. And when you do those things together as a community, the community itself becomes more lively and vibrant. These things are mutually reinforcing. So when we're also telling you we want to be about growing under Jesus' direction and care as a disciple, we are saying that you cannot be a disciple without being on mission. A lot of people hear church language like discipleship and they want a class. I like classes. I am good at classes. I can read so many books I can digest so many ideas. New ideas, great. I love new ideas. Give me all the classes. That is not the sum total of what discipleship is. Discipleship is coming under the direction of Jesus, being molded into his character and likeness, and doing what he is doing. And so we, we don't aim to make disciples in such a way that we offer you a bunch of classes, fill your head with knowledge until you die and we bury you. We want at Valley Hope to make disciples who are modeling what these disciples look like who are on mission. 
There is some portion of being a disciple of Jesus that you only understand by obeying the Great Commission. Because it's risky. You can know all the ideas about Jesus. But then when you go and open your mouth and start to ask somebody questions like, what are, you, what are your great hopes and fears for this world? How do you have some sense of connection to the divine or the transcendent or whatever you might call it? And you feel incapable. You say, I do not have all the answers. I do not know everything that I should say. I am terrified. But I obeyed Jesus and Jesus met me there. I cannot give that to you in a class. I cannot describe your way into understanding that. You can come here week after week after week and learn a lot about Jesus, hopefully. But you cannot learn that apart from doing it with him. And so when you are discipled under Jesus and go on mission with him, you actually grow as a disciple. And so again, these things are mutually reinforcing these ideas. And this happens all the way through all three of these things, community, discipleship, and mission. They go together. They are meant to go hand in hand. They strengthen one another. They deepen the impact of each other. And so we, we don't want to create lanes in our church. We say we have some mission stuff. We have some discipleship stuff. We have some community stuff. We better fill each of these lanes. We want to be constantly thinking, okay, but how is the door open to people from the outside? Let, let, me, let me give you an example. VBS. Church people love VBS. Uh, from my experience, it's about 80% because you can drop your kids off and go do something else without them. That seems to be the big draw. Second, under that, kids learn stuff about Jesus. Here's who comes to VBS mostly. Church kids. And church people love their, their church kids doing stuff with other church kids. And VBS is fun. It's great. But let me, show, let me tell you what I have seen over the past year. Jen Aiken came in, says, I want to keep doing VBS, but I want to know how does this VBS serve the kids in our neighborhood, specifically the kids who don't speak English or their families who don't speak English. And so she's asking all the way around, are we communicating in Spanish? Do we have Spanish speakers in our church who can speak Spanish to those people? Are we communicating with the people up the road that they are invited and can be a part of what's going on here? Is everything that we are doing not oriented towards the kids who would be here if we just opened the doors and rolled a few balls out? Those are church kids. We're glad that you're here. It's fun community, but... When the community of disciples goes on mission and we try to do VBS that way, something different happens. Now, I don't know what will happen. That is sort of the risk and adventure of being a disciple. You just put yourself out there and you say, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do? And that's why Jesus finished the Great Commission with the promise. I will not leave you forsake you. I will not leave you. And my expectation, my experience is that that is true over and over and over again. Now, each of us are meant to be thinking about this. How do we act as missionaries in this world individually and collectively? And, and you may identify a sort of problem in your life. 
that as you start to think about the Great Commission in this valley, in your job, in your neighborhood, and you might do an honest inventory and assessment and realize, I do not even know people who are not Christians. Not like, I don't know people's names. I mean, know them. I'm not friends with people who are not Christians. Very easy for that to happen. You have different values. You have different time priorities, financial priorities. It's easy to not be friends with people who are not like you. This is where you start. That has to change. I'll say from my personal experience, I have a job where it is very easy to only know and be around people who are Christians. It feels almost like that is my job. And so I said, I have to create avenues in my life where the door gets cracked open and I'm friends with people outside of this community, outside of any church community. So one of the major reasons I play soccer is not because I am great at soccer, which is observable and clear, but because I am on a soccer team with people, with guys who are not, not Christians and not even close. And I, I have, over the decade, been able to form a relationship with them and pull my... And, and that, for me, is a step. And for you, it might... You may not need to play soccer. But you, you may need to take a similar step. My, my question to you is, who in your life are you friends with that are not Christians? And if you don't really have an answer to that question, then you should change something. And it doesn't mean you need to start a missionary society. It doesn't mean you need to launch this great public work. Although if you want to, you go for it. But you can do simple things. Go to the library. Join a book club. Join the Swannano Valley Friends and whatever they're fans. Friends and neighbors of Swannano. That's what it's called. Join them. Go to the middle school and say, I want to volunteer every other week to do whatever tiny job that's annoying that nobody else will do. And I'll pay zero dollars for it. Find something that opens the door outside of your ordinary life. Make friends with people who are not Christians. Show up again and again and again. Now, when that happens... You can make two kinds of mistakes. One is, I need to get them the information. That's really what I need. I need to get them as much information, the crucial, vital information as possible. So you get into a conversation with people. You take a step. You talk about serious things, vulnerable things, and you just say everything. Here's everything you need to know. You were born. You were in sin. You fall short of the glory of God. You're going to die. You're going to go to being judged. Jesus saves you from judgment. He lived, died. He was resurrected, crucified, resurrected. He's alive. You're saved. The whole thing, you should believe it. And then you say, whoo, information delivered, and I'm out. Good. I did it. Great commission. Check. Done. Look, people have access to information. They have little rectangles in their pockets that give them infinite information. They don't need another source of disconnected information in their life. They will do with you what they do with all of the other information. They'll swipe right past it. It's not going to do much for them. Now, does God use that and work through it at times? Yes, he does, because God is awesome and he can do stuff like that. He does. Now, there's another approach. I need to show people what it means, what it looks like 
to follow Jesus. I need to, I need to serve people. I need to be generous and charitable and kind. I need to work for the good of, of my neighborhood and for my community. And I will never say any of the information because that is frightening. Now, look, doing all of the stuff is good. But you smiling at the cashier, I've never heard anybody's story that says that, that lady smiled at me. And in that moment, I understood. I was made by God. I've lived in sin. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He was resurrected and ascended. He's the king over the whole. And I knew that because she smiled at me. That has never happened to my knowledge. People need to know that stuff. Now, God does use the work of people who never get to the point where they actually tell the story of the good news of the gospel. And he uses your faithful witness after when somebody else comes and tells. That does happen. Okay, I'm not saying that doesn't. But there has to be a version in both of these things where it all comes onto the table. We at Valley Hope want to be on mission together, telling the gospel and showing the gospel. We want, we want to tell people the nature of the kingdom and we want to show people the nature of the kingdom. Because this is what Jesus did. Jesus healed people, he fed people, he befriended people. He didn't just information dump on people, but he did tell them what they also needed to hear. And so he presented the good news of the kingdom, he demonstrated the good news of the kingdom again and again and again. This is how Jesus worked. And in our opinion, our take at Valley Hope is Jesus is pretty great. And so we should probably try to be like him. That is our attempt Together, we don't want to just be a charity organization. We, will, we want a reputation for serving the poor and serving the people furthest out. We want that reputation. We want to earn that reputation. We want people at the middle school to continue to believe that if they have a need, they can come to us and we will show up. We want that. And after and when and alongside demonstrating the good news of the kingdom, we want to tell them the good news that Jesus has come for them. Because the Great Commission was not just for these disciples, it is for all disciples, it is for these disciples. And when you and I hear the Great Commission and respond to it together as a community of disciples, we are ourselves reminded of the goodness of the gospel. That is really what is at the center and underneath fueling all of these things is the great good news of Jesus. I mean, this is the best thing ever. Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but instead emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. And he was obedient even to the point of death, death on a shameful cross. And he was resurrected and highly exalted so that everybody would see and know that he is the Lord. And he did all of that stuff. He did that for me because he loves me. That, that is the best news 
I have ever heard. It is, it is an astoundingly good deal. And, and the horrible truth, this is just me. Maybe you're not like me, but I, I kind of forget it. I forget about it. I'm busy. I got to get my kids awake, fed, clothed in some order, living their day, do my stuff, long list of stuff, get home, survive the tail end of the day, get a 15 minutes of, of just chilling out and because I got to go to sleep and do it all again the next day. And that is what I'm thinking about day after day after day after day. And I am sitting in the room with the best news in the universe. The best possible thing is that Jesus came in love for me. And when we together as a community of disciples go on mission, I am reminded, you know what, this is really pretty amazing. I was doing a, a wedding yesterday, and I try to make sure that when I'm doing a wedding, there's plenty of times, there's lots of people at weddings who are there because they love these people, and they're cute, and, you know, it's happy and all that stuff, and they, they do not, this is the only sermon that they will hear for a long time, and so I try to remind the husband, the new husband and wife, that their marriage is about the gospel, and how, this is how good the gospel is. And I had a, a guy walk up to me afterwards, and he says, you know, I'm not really religious or anything like that, but that was beautiful. Even I know that that was beautiful. And I was listening to him, and I was like, you know what? It is beautiful that God would covenant towards his people. He'll get to know the very worst of my darkness and failures and sin, and he will pledge his radical, faithful love to me until the very end. That is the nature of his covenant love. It really is that beautiful. You know who reminded me was a guy who doesn't even believe it. And so when you and I do this thing with the entirety of our lives together, we ourselves are beneficiaries. We are reminded of the greatness of God's love for his people, which only makes us want to go out more. And so then we go out more and we tell people the great good news of God's love that is going out. This missionary God himself is coming after new people. And you know what happens when we see that and the love of God for other people is on display? We're reminded again, man, it really is that good, isn't it? We should go again. And we go again out in mission and love. And we see God come up again, pouring out his love through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what happens? It's just wave upon wave upon wave of the great goodness and love of God for his people. The whole thing, the whole thing is a journey into the endless, boundless depths of the great love of God for his people in Christ Jesus. And that is for everyone. And if you and I do not listen to the Great Commission and respond to it in our own lives, we are missing out. I'm not inviting you to sit here and feel ashamed of what you are not doing or scared of what you cannot do, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff out there that you are missing out on. This is fun stuff. Is it hard? Is it scary at times? Yeah, so are roller coasters, and they're awesome. This is a good that is out there for you. No matter what your stage of life, no matter your temperament, your Enneagram number, your whatever, you can participate in the great move of God towards the people of the world. And that's why we as a church, we want to be a part of not plus 300, but plus 301. 
302 churches planted in this country. Because we want every neighborhood to have an expression of a community of disciples going out in mission with Jesus who is invading the world. We, we, don't, we don't want to be happy or content and just feel doomed. 42 million youth are going to walk out of the church or have no affiliation with church. We, we want to actively here at this church move that number down in our own valley. We want the people, the youth of our church and of this whole valley to know that the great good news of the whole world is for them as well. This is what the Great Commission is about. And this is what we want to be, be about as a people, fueled by the gospel, a community of disciples on mission together. And if you are here today and you are realizing that you yourself have been caught in despair, the great missionary God has come for you this morning. He's come for you. He, he wasn't a missionary once and then hit the eject button and left. He keeps coming for you because he loves you like that. And today you can take heart that this missionary God loved you so deeply that he went into the very worst of your own sin, the darkness of the evil that would haunt you and haunt this world taking upon himself the full burden and brunt of all the judgment and hell that that evil can muster. And he conquered it in his own cross and resurrection so that you would be with him and you could hear this promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you would know that it was true, not for other people, but for you. And today... If you hear his voice, today the day of deliverance is coming. And I hope that today this will ring loud in your heart. So this great good news would not just be good news for me or for Valley Hope. It will be good for you. It will be good for us together. And the number of the, the community of God will continue to grow as Jesus does what he does and goes to rescue and find his lost sheep. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you, uh, you don't just give this command and say, good luck, um, because we are people who feel entirely inadequate. I know I feel inadequate. I feel I don't have enough answers. I don't have enough skills or insight. I feel like I'm watching a house burning down, and I've got a pocket full of snow, and that's it. And yet you did not abandon your people. You sent your Holy Spirit. You joined us to a body that you yourself covenant, covenanted with. And God, I pray that we would be this kind of people. I pray that we would be a community of disciples on mission with you. And that our community and our discipleship would be reinforced and reinvigorated by life on mission together. God, I pray that we would be on mission together. That we wouldn't just be sending out solo free agents out into the world. But instead we would share lives together. Which itself is a kind of argument for the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray that our discipleship would be rich in love. 
that this, the best news, would radically win us again and again and again. And Father, I pray for those who are here today who have given up hope, who are outside of the hope of the kingdom, and who are desperately in need of you to come and win them over and win them in. God, I pray that today they would see that the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus is their great deliverer, is the king of love who came down for them. Lord Jesus, may we see you and love you as you deserve. May our lives be enriched by more and more devotion to you. The closer we get to you, the more beauty we see. God, let our eyes be open to you and opening ever wider. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.